Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Inner Loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Inner Loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm ready. We're we're gonna get started. Welcome to the Interloop Radio, broadcasting live on full service radio from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm Rachel Koontz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. And for all of our loyal listeners out there, don't forget to leave us a review telling the world how much you love us. And for any new listeners out there here on the Interloop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, what makes a great ghost story, or how to construct the perfect sonnet, or just how we all sit down each day in front of that empty page. We play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series, and we invite local writers and community members to join our discussions. On today's show, we want to talk about breakups and long-lost loves. That's right, it's February, and whether love is your favorite holiday or you condemn it as a corporate takeover of our personal lives, Valentine's Day gets us all thinking about love. So, what is it about love? (laughs) That's really... Um, well, I'm, I'm thinking about love actually, <laughs> right? Because like people are always like, it's the best movie of all time. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Because there's these things. I think one of the things is that, um, we wrap up all of the tiny dramas of a life that we want in this experience that we call love and we're able to fight about it with ourselves and with others and there is somewhat of a continuity in terms of shared experience across the world but then you also have the privilege of being like no but no one knows what I'm feeling and it's different (laughs) right so it's this like macro micro thing I think that we just can't avoid and we have talked about this before how love inspire has inspired so many great works of art and pieces of writing throughout history right but so have breakups that's true, <laughs> that's true. perhaps even better um so how do we write about breakups I mean how do you it, on the one hand we write about it to process it we write about it to access some kind of universality like you were saying so how do you write about it without getting sentimental or indulging in a little revenge maybe I think it depends on what the with this topic in particular like what the goal is for the writing because if it's therapy like that's great you can be as cheesy as you want just like get it on down there weep <laughs> and like have the pages like you know like we're dripping with tears making something publishable that's fine <laughs> but if we're talking about something that is like meant to be shared with the world and for other people to have 
some connection to. Um, I think time is really important um, to use that immediate aftermath and like get the feelings out and take notes and do the thing that you need to do mm-hmm. but then give yourself a minute to go back when you actually want to write about it and like look at those things and reference those things and think about them but be a little emotionally distant from it <laughs> so that then you can articulate it in a way that feels um oh man not removed but not like you're just being sappy. I don't know. <laughs> like, like you're being carried away by the emotion. Right. You need to have a little bit of a cold distance so that you can say, you wait can a second, structure. what happened here? Mm-hmm. And what was it that felt so deep? Right. And then how do I convey that? Which is not to say there's some loss in that distance, right? Because there is something that's really good and gripping about the raw emotion of the beginning. And so you don't want to lose that entirely. And that's why I think like, yeah, write that shit down so that you can tap into Mm -hmm. and access it later. Um, And then hammer it and form it. Exactly. And shift it into an art to (laughs) do things with my hands again. Courtney loves that. I think it's it's similar on the flip side too not just breakups but in going through a love story of your own it's like what are the moments that you record what are the things that are are memorable in a way that they're universal enough to touch someone else um, I'm so bad at that. I write in my journal always when I'm depressed and angry. Yeah, I know. When I'm happy. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but yeah, we yeah. have a great example of someone who uh, read at the inner loop. Yes. And wrote about his breakup. And it was so poignant and moving. Um, we want to share it with you. Have a listen to Joe Osmondson. Seven. He dumped me because one of my friends was rude to him at an event. I changed his name in my phone to Tariq to remind myself that I was nothing more than one of his tricks. As a friend of mine put it, I was just one of the boys he was sleeping with, but that was true even when we were together. Sometimes when I imagined that we would get back together, when I wanted to think him more than the sex that he still occasionally gave to me, I changed his name in my phone to Kalik to remind myself that he was a fiction that I had written and one that I could erase. 11. So you have to know that I read this at a reading in front of my mother. Tommy was there too. So just keep that in mind when I read this next section. 11. He had grace. What is grace if not control over our bodies? I never had that, but he had learned it in movement, in conversation, in sex. So he taught me how to douche. Thank you, Tommy. Good laugh right there. I had never cared enough before to find out what worked for my body. I had used a brand that had made me clean, but wet, too wet. He liked a clean bottom every time. So I learned, thank you, I learned, and his brand worked best for me too. I would bike to his place. It's not, it's not supposed to be funny. (laughs) I was too poor to take the train. I would douche and shower and then I would be ready. But he started to complain. Why couldn't I come over ready? We were standing in the hallway between his bedroom and the bathroom he shared with two roommates who were also pretty gay boys. Because I have to bike, babe, and I get sweaty, and I need to get ready, and it's just easiest if I do it here. What I meant, I'm not graceful. My body melts and sweats, and if you want me clean, and I know you want me clean, then I need some time. What I meant, I'm your boyfriend, and you love me, and I love you, and that means you don't just get to fuck me. 
You don't just get that version of my body. You get the before and you get the after and I don't understand and I will never understand, not really, why that isn't the best part of this, of this thing that we're doing. What he said, fine. He didn't like to see the process. He was used to hookups by then. Boys who would show up ready, fuck, and then leave. He liked them showing up ready and then he liked them leaving. That's fine, babe, but I'm your boyfriend, and I have a body, and it sweats. I sweat when I bike, and I don't have much grace, but I'm learning. And just give me 20 minutes, and then my body, my body and I will be ready for yours. Okay? Okay, babe? Fine. 66. Hmm. This one. I worry. It's not, it's not funny. I worry that it isn't really too late. That I might still go back to him and to all this. And so I list the things he did to me and the things I did to him, and the list is long. I burn it and start again. Burn, start again. Thank you. That was Joe Osmondson reading at an Interloop event from his book entitled Inside Out, published by Sibling Rivalry Press. It gives me tingles every time he sa- I hear him say, I don't understand how I you know, don't get this best part. <laughs> uh, and that was, I mean, that hearing him perform, hearing and seeing him perform that piece too was so challenging because there were moments when we were laughing, right? right. But then it was like, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> like, you this, got like, like hair right, right, yeah, yeah. right in the middle. Right in your middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was... Lovely. Um, and we have another example from a poet, yes. uh, Samantha de Trinidad. Let's hear how she approached breakups. I wrote this poem about, about a man I once knew, and I've come back to it several times, and I've come to understand that this is a poem about all my previous lovers. So this is the last of my mercy poems. I wrote these poems for you, my love, because... They belong to you because they've always belonged to you. I've tried to write as plainly as possible over the years. Short sentences, simple words, so that you would understand I was bleeding myself of every last thing I remembered about you. The sound of your mouth opening in the morning, the shape your hands would leave in my neck. But if you still don't recognize the face I've described in these poems, I can't help you anymore. The trouble with hating you, like that time we made love in the hammock, the red lattice it left in your back, is that it's terribly disappointing. I get nothing from hating you. So instead... I'll pity you because I'll wash my hands of you and I'll still go on to work other men the way I've worked you. I'll open my legs for them like a fan. And you, my love, you can try to sweat me out. You can count beads until your fingers callous, but you can never know another woman like me again. I think, I think, I think we're good. Yeah, shall we go there? <laughs> that was Samantha de Trinidad reading one of her poems at an Interloop event. 
The trouble with hating you is that it's terribly disappointing. It is. <laughs> like it's not the that's not the feeling you want. You know, we talked about the love, you know, that they're they're opposites, but they're not. It's the same feeling. So it's like it's just like the lesser good of it. And we talked about how do you know how can how do you know when to start writing about a breakup? I think once you get to that point where you realize this hating is not Yeah. It's not doing it. It's, it's not, not enough. Anything, right. It's not filling the else. hole where the love was. So, <laughs> uh, Well, Samantha's poem shows us how past lovers can haunt us, much like the book of our upcoming guest. Yeah. But before that, we have good news for writers in the D.C. Baltimore area from Yellow Arrow Publishing. Um, Yellow Arrow is a Baltimore-based nonprofit that seeks to provide writers that identify as women with a safe place to share their work, opportunities for publication, and ways to network with other writers and improve their craft. And now you can catch them in person at Yellow Arrow House in the Highland Town neighborhood of Baltimore, where they offer workshops on poetry, publishing, craft, and more to both new and experienced writers of all genders. You should definitely check them out. If not in person, head on to the website at yellowarrowpublishing.com and stay tuned for more of the Interloop Radio. Matins. Midnight is too obvious an hour. We sleep through it and faintly wake at odd times instead. 1.13, 3.35. These are the hours when I reach for you, forgetting that you sleep now in another's bed, and my dumb hand will find only cool sheet and cooler air. This is the hour of the radiator's hiss, the mouse in the wall. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. That was Brandon Billings Noble reading from her book entitled Be With Me Always at an Interloop event. And she joins us now live on the show to talk more about writing about breakups and long lost loves. Welcome, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks yeah, for being on the it's show. It's great to have you. It's good to see you, too. <laughs> You've been busy. I have. <laughs> um, so, Courtney and I were talking about how to write about breakups without getting sentimental or melodramatic. Um, and I'm thinking of this, the essay in your collection where you compare uh, a past lover to Dracula. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love it. I loved it um, because it's so apropos, it, because you're trying to get at the mysteriousness of being drawn to someone. Um, but it's also seemed so dangerous, like it could have easily fallen into melodrama right so can you say more about how you walk especially tackling dracula i I know yeah you just went for it and then and then you did it so tell us how it was done (laughs) i i did um (laughs) 
I think what Courtney said earlier about time being a necessary ingredient is really important. Um, to have some time and some psychic distance between the experience that you lived and then how you're trying to render that in writing, mm -hmm. especially as an essayist or a creative nonfiction writer where you're telling these true stories from your life. You want that distance so mm -hmm. that you have a little bit of objectivity sure. and you're not in the self-indulgent stage or the wallowing stage, right. <laughs> um, all of those. So. Um, that essay came about pretty organically. I was really watching Dracula and reading. Uh, I was reading the book, I think, for the first time in a long time, if not the first time ever, and started seeing some parallels with the way the book was treated and how that film adaptation mm. really romanticized this relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, that dark pull, that power, that seduction, that level of desire that transcends centuries, I mean, that's, that's pretty heady mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. But you're right, it does have that danger attached to it. And so I think reading my own story through that book helped give me some of that distance as well. Interesting. The transcendence is something that, again, like playing with time, but on a on the other side of it, right? That's I think that's one of the things about love that keeps us coming back and keeps us reading mm -hmm. yes. about it is it's eternal in a cheesy way. But <laughs> <laughs> like it is. I mean, that's a cheesy choice of words, but I'm like, it really, it does. No, I think it's quite true, even when we don't want it to be. Right. Yeah, yeah. So what about that idea of bleeding through someone or something? That came up in one of the past uh, clips that we heard, right? Yeah, was, Samantha. Was, Samantha's that line. Yeah, that's something I think about too of like bleeding a love out of you or a lover also bleeding you and you being willing in the process or not and how that both drains you mm. but somehow makes you this like eternal being kind of person. Yeah, right? it's such a... <laughs> Courtney's getting out there. No, no, I'm, I'm like, I've got Dracula in my head now. <laughs> it's such a weird metaphor, um, especially when we think of it as actual vampires, right. despite how sexy they've become in popular culture. Um, when you read the book, no one wants Dracula on them. <laughs> no yeah. one. Mm -hmm. um, but that idea that you're giving something to someone else, that's part of your essence. Mm. I mean, you can't live without your blood. And if they take too much, if or you lose too much, then mm. you're going to die. So that metaphor, as sort of frightening as it is, I think captures some of the darker sides of the intensity of this kind of love. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in it, you're a lot of times you're just all in take mm -hmm. it all that's mm -hmm. fine however many pints they're yours I adore <laughs> right. you have it um but then um with some distance or as the love affair progressive progresses you also reckon recognize that you you need to keep some of that for yourself otherwise you're going to be in big trouble Is yeah that and not only I mean I feel like past loves not only take something from you but they leave this imprint. yeah they leave an imprint behind that in some ways never fades yeah in that in, way in that way like a ghost definitely like a ghost and the the sort of difficulty with that is ghosts don't often behave the way we want them to <laughs> um, when we want them to leave us alone they show up yeah. when we're desperate for some kind of communion with them they're scarce right sometimes mm. they can have almost a physical presence <laughs> like you, you know makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up or objects might shift in or like that density of the air and other times when you're longing for them, there's just, there's nothing. It's a total absence. And so depending on the flavor of your past love, I think ghosts are a really good metaphor for that mm -hmm. because they come and go, they leave an impression, but they're not actually there. Mm. And the other uncomfortable part about that is that the, these past loves 
go on. They don't die. Right. Um, right. Sure, <laughs> might die, but they might be now in love with someone else. And so it's, um, it's almost tempting to think of them as ghosts. Like when it ends with me, you end. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I know when past loves like reach out to me to reconnect <laughs> like decades later, I'm like, no, I need you to stay what you were to me. And I don't want right. to know. I don't want to see or know you now. Like. Um, so what is it about past lovers or love that is so universal that like we tap into the human condition mm. almost? What is the parallel there? I think because it is a fairly universal experience. Um, I think it's safe to say we have all loved in one form or another, whether it's familial love or Mm -hmm. transgressive love or erotic love or platonic love. Mm. And if we've lived as 13 and 14 year olds (laughs) to that point, um, we've also probably had a crush we shouldn't have had, an unattainable crush. We've been dumped. Mm -hmm. We've gone through agonies of unrequited love. And there's a natural sympathy to that because we can all tap into some kind of experience that speaks to that. Mm -hmm. So if someone starts telling a breakup story, almost everyone in that circle will say, oh, Oh. (laughs) you're in that part of it. Yes, I know, I know. So there's a natural, I think, universality of experience and sympathy and empathy too. How is this connected to writing a book? You were talking about giving a piece of yourself to that love as mm. it's happening. And I think the process of writing is can be somewhat similar to mm. as another kind of love or another great love. And I'm wondering if the subject being close to the process is something that you kind of dealt with at all in this? Yeah, that's a great question. I had some concerns because um, my book, Be With Me Always, um, it's it's fairly lovelorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do delve into these darker nostalgias, um, past loves that I still carry a little torch for. Sure. Um, even though my current love is strong and as far as I can tell, completely permanent. <laughs> um, so I, I did worry a little bit um, about um, questions that I might be asked at readings or things like mm-hmm. that or assumptions people would make. But again, it's um, some of the responses that I got were so heartening, um, even to pieces where I talked about um, one essay, I talk about having a transgressive crush. And my mother-in-law, of all people, said, this is beautifully written, and it describes feelings we have all felt. Mm. And I thought, if she could say that, it, this must be so many other people are thinking or feeling versions of that. Mm. And if my writing can help someone in a small way or make them feel a little less alone or reassured, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, then um, that's a really, that's a powerful and valuable thing to me. And I get back from that. Cool. So even if I feel like I'm giving, I won't say bleeding because it doesn't right, feel right. Quite, <laughs> quite that drastic. But if I feel like I'm giving away a lot in that sense, you know, secrets or privacy or um, talking about things that are very close to me, sure. I feel like I also get um, an enormous amount in return. That's awesome. So can we hear yeah. something from the book? Yes. Um, in fact, I'll read that essay that I just mentioned Um, It is a hermit crab essay, um, which is an essay told um, using another form of writing as its structure. So this essay is told in the form of a WebMD entry. Nice. um, Because it discusses lovesickness and how to diagnose and perhaps treat it. It's called The Heart as a Torn Muscle. Overview. Your heart was already full, but then you saw him. And your heart beat code. Not Morse, but a more insistent pulse. Oh, yes. That's him. That one. Not the one, capital T, capital O, the one you already have and deeply love. But of all the people in that large room far from home, he was the one for you. And your heart stretched more than it should have, tore a little, and let him in. 
Symptoms. Swelling, bruising, or redness. The feeling that your lungs contain a higher percentage of oxygen and have somehow grown in their capacity to perspire. A heightened sensitivity to glances, postures, gestures, attitudes, and casual remarks from observers. A propensity to blush. Pain at rest, general restlessness, an inability to sleep, fever dreams, sleepwalking, conscious walking, out of your bedroom, out of doors, into the moonlight, or an unmown field shrouded in mist, an ache, or fantasies of same. Pain when the specific muscle is used. When your heart beats to force blood through your femoral arteries, to your iliopsoas muscles, your sartorius muscles, your peroneus muscles, each expanding and contracting to force your legs to walk away. From him, from thrill, from all the promise and potential of an alternate future. Inability to use the muscle at all. Lethargy, apathy, malaise, especially after having walked away from the one in question. Self-care. Apply ice, cool it. The early application of heat can increase swelling and pain. Note, ice or heat should not be applied to bare skin. Always use a protective layer, latex only as a very last resort. Clothing is better, or better still, several feet, a separate piece of furniture, a wall, or a building. Ideally, a state line, a continent. Try an anti-inflammatory such as herbal tea or a pro-con list. Cool showers and brisk walks, embracing air may help. Do not take depressants in the form of alcohol or otherwise. Avoid stimulants, caffeine, chocolate, Cheetos. Protect the strained muscle from further injury by refusing to jump into anything. Avoid the activities that cause the strain and other activities that are painful. Compression, hold yourself together. Elevation, rise above. When to seek care. If home remedies bring no relief in 24 hours, call your youngest and most bohemian friend. If you hear a popping sound signifying a break from your primary relationship, the one, capital T, capital O, you truly know and truly love, call your closest and most trusted friend. Exams and tests. Your youngest and most bohemian friend asks, are you gonna run away together, tryst in motels, meet up in Paris, open a PO box, wear a trench coat, give each other code names, assume another identity? Would he be up for a threesome? Want to use my place? Says, it's so romantic. Says, tell me everything. <laughs> Your closest and most trusted friend asks, what do you mean, met someone? Have you thought this through? Is this choice supporting, adding to, enriching, complicating, marring, degrading, not even leaving a blip on the screen in the way in which you will see your life in the years to come? What will you be left with? Regret, memory, or absolutely nothing? Says, time wounds all heals. Says, don't fuck up. Recommended reading, Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. <laughs> the Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. Time Will Darken It by William Maxwell, The Lone Pilgrim by Laurie Colwyn, Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf, The Literal Zone by Andrea Barrett, The End of the Affair by Graham Greene. Yeah. <laughs> no horoscopes, no tarot cards or tea leaves. If you must, you may steep yourself in stories of passion and price. Years from now, you can indulge in what ifs. But for now, right now, put your hand to your chest and feel what beats. The only muscle you can't live without needs to stay whole. <laughs> Thank you.
That was delightful <laughs> in that painful kind of way. <laughs> I really, I, I like that tool structure, though, of coming at it from this very kind of precise medical, you know, removed perspective. Yeah, that's a useful tool for yeah. approaching a subject that is so emotional. It is to take a rather dry and staid form and it doesn't get a whole lot drier than WebMD <laughs> and to use that sort of cool form to try to contain some of this hot, messy, yeah, emotional subject precisely. matter. Well, thank you for chatting with us about this. We're going to keep you on for the next block because February is not just for Valentine's Day. It's also Oscar season and we're going to play a little voting game. Stay tuned. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. We'll get started. We're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio, broadcasting live at the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. We turn now to a special segment in honor of the upcoming Oscars. For this segment, Courtney, Randon, Billings, Noble, and I are going to vote on the best breakup and love scenes in literature. Let's start with breakups. (laughs) Did you have any favorites to add, Courtney? I added mine, which Randon actually just mentioned is the end of the affair. And like the whole book is kind of about a breakup. (laughs) As the title betrays. Not just a scene, really. But uh, yeah, that's that's my. Do you remember any any quote for for the audience? Randon, do you? Oh, from the end of the affair? Yeah. I don't remember any direct quotes. I just remember how heartbreaking it was that to um, ensure the life of her beloved, she felt she had to give him up. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we had a few more suggestions. Um, I worked on this with our intern, Abby Newhouse. I'm sorry, wait, doesn't she die ultimately? Am I making that up? I honestly don't remember. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Does Sarah die in that? Anybody? I, no? I wouldn't be surprised. Nobody remembers? <laughs> I feel like that was like the thing. It was this whole... And then she either the died she literally like, or she died fingeratively. No, <laughs> it was like this whole drama about like her like keeping him alive and then she's the one who like dies in the end. And that's why I'm just like, maybe I'm making that up. But in my version of it... It clearly <laughs> happened right. spiritually. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, so anyway, Jane Eyre. Does anybody remember the breakup scene from that with uh, Mr. Rochester? Ooh. She says, it strikes me with terror and anguish to feel I absolutely must be torn from you forever. I see the necessity of departure, and it is like looking on the necessity of death. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Gordy, you've read Gone with the Wind, right? Yeah, I have. I have. Do you want to do the line? Well, I mean, the Clark Gable like version yeah. of it, or just the book version of it. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a different read um, than Clark Gable? <laughs> you know, no. He, in Gone you know, God, man, that man had such perseverance. Like, <laughs> you know, they both went through a lot, but, you know, when it finally comes down to it, you're at that point of exhaustion, 
right? Mm-hmm. And where it's like, you've just given all of yourself that you can give. And he says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. He got to the point of just like. See, I have a different reading. I don't even I don't have give cares. A damn. I don't even have cares to read, to give. <laughs> um, we also got some suggestions online. Juno Diaz wrote a whole book of This Is How You Lose Her. So another book of essays all about breakups. Uh, or short stories, rather. Um, and then The End of a Doll's House. Has anybody read that? Oh. Oh. The Juno, the Juno Diaz <laughs> line is good, though. Oh, it's, go ahead. You start thinking about the beginning, it's the end. <sighs> it gets you right there. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, what was? Oh. Not what is. <laughs> Shit. All right, voting time. Let's get this done. All right. So we have yeah. Juno Diaz, uh, A Doll's House. What else? Uh, Gone with the Wind, Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Jane, Jane Eyre. Eyre, sorry. I always said Eyre in my mind. <laughs> I do that with words all the time. I'm a bad writer. Um, and the end of, of, of the affair. So, Brandon? I think... Top, top, number one. I'm going to say Jane Eyre. All Jane right. Eyre. That feels good. That feels good. <laughs> um... I haven't read This Is How You Lose Her, but that line that Carrie Sage suggested that uh, to us, and I was just like, man. That line got you? <laughs> it just got me, so I'm going to have to go with that one. Oh, that means I'm a, I'm a tiebreaker. Uh-oh. Oh. I'm going to go with, what? Jane, I- Jane Eyre, even though I can't say it. <laughs> classic. It's classic. All right, Jane Eyre for best breakup scene, so if you haven't Oof. read it. There's your homework. All right, best love scenes. Uh, the English Patient, obviously, where he talks about the clavicle, you know, and diving into the clavicle. It's so good. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, Randon, you had one. Anna Karenina, right? Oh, yes, but not the main lovers you would expect, but the proposal scene between Kitty and Levin, um, I think, is absolutely adorable, and it's getting two people together that have been thwarted by the affair of Anna and Vronsky. Um, Kitty thinks that she and Vronsky are going to get together, even though Vronsky has no plans for this at all. Mm-hmm. And when Levin proposes the first time, she turns him down. And then months, if not years, pass, and she regrets this decision, but she can't ask him. She has right. to wait. And so they wind up meeting at a party, and everyone has gone off somewhere, and they're at a card table that has green felt on it. And they start writing little notes to each other with the chalk on the felt, mm-hmm. only the first letter of each word in their sentences. And the reader doesn't entirely know what their conversation is, but they do. Mm. And at the end of it, they are engaged and you have the sense, you get to read a little bit more of their story, but you have a sense that this is actually a good coupling in a Tolstoy novel at last. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Anna Kurdina has a special place in my heart. I have, can I, can I add one? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Tom Robbins is my all time favorite of anything always. Um, And there's this great scene in Still Life with Woodpecker toward the end and the two lovers are trapped and seemingly trapped in this pyramid and have no way of getting out and they're just going to die there and the only thing they have as sustenance is like champagne and wedding cake basically and they survive on this for a long long time and then they're just you know surviving they've they've they're like we'll just keep having sex and drinking champagne (laughs) until until the end of time (laughs) and it's just like really beautiful because it's also they're like we're not sad about this we're together they don't, spoiler alert, they don't die, but. They don't die. Uh, finally, Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. I mean, mm. oof, that's a heartbreaking love story. Uh, so, votes? Ugh. I'm going to go Anna Karenina. I'm going to go first. Anna Karenina. I am really tempted by 
endless champagne, wedding cake, <laughs> and snacks. So I feel I feel a little staid going with Anna Karenina, but I, I have to do that too. I mean, like I've we're we're best two out of three here, so Anna Karenina it is. <laughs> oh. right? like, Unopposed, Anna Karenina is the winner. Wow. We're gonna go two back classics. and read it again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're classics for, for a, reason. a reason, I guess. Well, thank you, Randon, for being on the show. It's so great to have you. Yes, thank you so much awesome. for having me. It was a wonderful time. Good. And that's our show. Join us every other Friday at noon right here on Full Service Radio or anytime on your favorite podcasting app. Our next event is February 18th at The Pie Shop featuring the amazing Marita Golden. You can still submit to read alongside her on our website at theinnerlooplet.org. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz, with the help of our radio intern, Abby Newhouse, and our theme music is by Andrew Logan. Thanks again to Brandon Billings Noble for being on the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, remember, please leave us a review on whatever streaming site you use. Such as? (laughs) The The reviews are really helpful. (laughs) The Interloop Radio is like a diet MFA. It smells and tastes like the real thing, but with little of the substance. (laughs) And yeah, subscribe, please. Subscribe. That'd be great. You'll never miss an episode. Happy writing. And, you know, good luck and love to you all. (laughs) Right on.